Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. Survive. Thrive. Stay alive. It's time to get prepared with the Prepping Academy Podcast. Are you ready? Hey, welcome to the Prepping Academy. I am forced, and we have... Tinderfoot is in the house. I'm he definitely is, on time for this one. <laughs> Dude, so we we recorded another show right before this one because that's the way we do this. We rock it. <clears throat> and he shows up five minutes beforehand. That's plenty of time. That's plenty of time. Okay. At least I'm here. You're here. Rocking it. That's it. So and during the break, I did a funny on my phone, and we absolutely I laughed and I, I, tears came out of my eyes. It was good. Like, <laughs> I, I could not breathe. I could not breathe. I was totally not ready for that. That was good. Hey, you guys are listening to the Prepping Academy. We do a show once a week, most of the time. This week, tw- two in one night. It's double release Tuesday because they'll be released tomorrow. And make sure you have your tacos. Double tacos. Double taco Tuesdays. Tuesdays. That's the yeah. Speedy Gonzalez. <clears throat> so we just Number finished um, with Cloyd. Um, Cloyd, it's hard to it's hard to talk when you can't hear yourself. With Boyd Craven. <laughs> I know you got all this. We stuff. had to switch headphones and all this stuff because he literally comes in with a shirt on his back and that's it. Not even I mean, a I have pants on. <laughs> I didn't have the pants on. You know, you want me to hit this button yeah. over here? Go <laughs> and um, and I forgot you got me. Oh, <laughs> just go to the Prepping Academy, Prepping with ING, Prepping Academy website. Sign up for a mailing list. You'll win big, big things. We'll send them to you. Um, <clears throat> but um, wow, a break from authors. I don't, I, I don't think she's written a book. Are you reading about her now? <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm You're checking around. your mail. Hey, we're mail. doing a high quality professional show, and what are you doing? You're looking at memes on the internet. I'm about to leave for a week, and I'm trying to, you know, multitask. Okay, so you have been gone. I have been gone. It's been such a blessing. Nice. <laughs> no, you've been very, you've been missed. Thank you. And you I've went been, to, you did things around the world, I'm sure, like you always do. That's it. And but this week is going to be interesting, yeah, because we are actually going on a trip together That's with right. a bunch of other people. That's right, we have a mission to get. We have a mission. You have a job to do there. I have a job to do there. You're in charge, and I'm. In, I mean, we're doing different things. But I kid you not, the first thing he says in the first five minutes he's here before the show goes on the air, he looks at me straight in the eye and goes, "Hey, I'm going to need your help. Can you help me this week?" And I'm like, "What?" What do you mean? You go to me. Oh, and then we start the show. I mean, it's just, I mean, so he has already 
is trying to recruit me to help him. That's right. My job is always more important. My needs. That that is. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen, I got. You can get okay. you want to do it so bad. I do. You have to explain it to him. Okay. Uh, well, I have this. Um, I don't want to explain yeah, it. Yeah, you don't want to explain it to him. <laughs> I hope they could hear not hear that. This is a rated know. PG. I typed this word in and hit play, and it read this word, <laughs> and it just cracked us up. Yeah. So, but tonight, oh, so preppingacademy.com. Yeah. Um, one of our sponsors is the Conflicted Card Game. We're not going to read one tonight because we got such a big, big guest on. Probably, I I hate saying this because all the I, I don't want to de belittle the guests we've had, all the guests we've ever had on. Because we've had yeah. some the biggest names in the industry. But tonight is my favorite person. It's Nicole Appeal. Appillion? I believe that's right. Appillion, yeah. From the Alone Show. And I loved it. Hey Bear. Hey Bear. She kept talking to the bears. She was awesome. She was yeah. and so she is on the show tonight. And uh, we're looking forward to that. That's right. And the show is coming out. It started last week, I think. No, I think it's this week. Oh, is it this week? It's this week. Okay. Yeah, it's while we're at camp. <clears throat> oh, I do have it already DVR'd. Yeah. We're going camping. <laughs> with a large group of people. Some may not come back <laughs> alive. <clears throat> that is for sure. So... Oh, goodness. So this is going to be, uh, like I said, I've been looking forward to this, and I have to give credit. And I don't want to give credit to this guy too much because he's in all these books, and I've been trying to get him killed off. His name's Chen. You probably know him. He's in all these authors write about him, and I just I just tried to get the authors to get him to kill him out. I don't know. Just jealousy. I don't know what it is. But Chen um, introduced us on Facebook to this lady and I am so looking forward to it and we're gonna you got anything to say before we bring her on? Man, I'm just I'm excited to a- ask some questions. I'm actually you, looking because you were talking about the book and I was trying to find out if she was writing the book or Oh she's you know, a smart lady. So I know. she's probably written then, all kinds of things. And then I don't want you to make me feel so bad. So well I'm gonna make you feel bad. Book. Because every <laughs> you, you gotta understand every author we've ever had on, I look across to to Tenderfoot and say, hey, have you read any of his books? This is live, too, and it's on purpose. Um, no, yeah. I haven't got to him yet. Yeah, I can honestly say that you're pre- more prepared for this interview than any other interview you've ever done because you have you ever watched the show? All of them. A, a what? Every single one of them. You've watched every – so you are more prepared for this interview than interview you, any interview you've ever done. Yes. I am. That is amazing. Yes. If you don't come out with some great questions, I'm going to be, you're fired. <laughs> every week. And I always put them on the spot with the authors. I'm like, hey, Travis, what did you like best about his books? That's it. <laughs> so I think she is on. We're going to go live right now. Um, we're going to bring her, um, Nicole, on. Let's see. Nicole, are you there? I am. Thanks so much. Awesome. This is. I was just telling people just a few minutes ago how excited we are to have you on here because um, we both watched the show, and you you don't get to know authors, you get to know their characters, but we got to know you at least yeah, a little true. bit from from the show. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's a pretty I, apt description of me on the show. <laughs> yeah, we, it is we reality. Abs- 
I'll be honest with you, and if you have never watched the show, then this won't make sense. But anytime I'm in a situation where things are kind of unknown, and I'm with a group of people, I always go, now I always do this. I go, hey, bear. And people look at me like I'm weird. But I say that all the time. They're like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, you'll have to watch the show to understand it. But I don't know. I loved it. But um, let's see. It, let me tell, let me ask you um, for forgiveness before I pronounce your last. Is it Apillion? It is Apillion. Yes, it is. Oh, yes. Sweet. Yeah. You got it. High five. Okay. So it's Nicole Apillion. And she is way much She's a lot more than what the show. I mean, she sure she was on the show. Yeah. She did unbelievable. But man, I, I started looking at your resume on your website, and you're a doctor, a scientist, a mother, educator, researcher, safari guide, herbalist, a instructor, a coach. I mean, you're like, are you the president of the United States as well? Have you been? <laughs> That's coming soon, no. Apparently I can't stick to one thing is the reality of it. (laughs) I mean, you do everything. So tell us a a little bit of history about yourself and how how does someone get all these titles as well? That's crazy. (laughs) Well, I – Wow, well, I grew up I grew up in Massachusetts and uh just always had a real love and passion for the outdoors. And I was really lucky um my stepfather, whom my mom married when I was 7, um really fostered that in me. He was a great influence in my life and a really good mentor and would come home early from work and we'd go canoeing or go bring our field guides and our binoculars and go to the beach or whatever it is that we what we did and and he was a really wonderful wonderful mentor that way. And uh, as I got older, I, I decided to go into biology because I had a passion for wildlife and the outdoors, and, and I love science. And uh, just, you know, kind of continued on that trajectory. And after I got my master's in biology, I traveled a lot and lived out of my Volkswagen van for actually quite a, quite a long time and did a lot of odd research jobs here and there. Wow. But eventually decided so- to join the Peace Corps, which brought me to Africa. Okay. And, and from there, I uh, was a game warden, and then after that, I, I loved Botswana, which is where I was living so much that I stayed, and became a partner in a lion, in a lion research project, and that allowed me the opportunity to live in the bush in the middle of nowhere in a tent and really live live in you know wildlife territory, you know, no other people around, and really sort of fostered nature connection and awareness and tracking and bird language and all of those skills. And then later on got involved with the Kalahari San Bushmen. And I've been working there around for 23 years over in Botswana. And, uh, you know, they really helped me, foster, helped me hone those sort of hard skills, like how to make a fire from scratch and how to, how to tan an animal hide and how to look at my surroundings as my grocery store and my pharmacy. And when I moved back to the Pacific Northwest, I originally moved out here in 91. When I moved back here for good, I, I really decided to hone those those skills here and uh, kind of, you know, in a roundabout way led, led me to where I am today. So that's a little bit. That's my, that's my background in a very, very uh, small nutshell. <laughs> I, you know, and I think, I think it's so great with, uh, this is Tinderfoot, um, with all of that, with your background and stuff and what you've done in Africa and everything, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I have an anthropology background 
and oh, I just okay. see that, that that you have you have that as well. So I just that's, that's no eight hey, tenderfoot. No one cares. This yeah, isn't yeah. about you, man. I care. Okay. You oh so you have a connection with a, one of our guests. That's amazing. It is. That is awesome. And um and so with this incredible background, I mean, gosh, you seem like you've lived like four lives in there. Um, you, I mean, I just that's that's just unheard of. And you. You enjoyed being alone in Africa? I mean, because the alone show was mostly mental. I mean, when we talked to Chris or um, or Alan Kay, they said it was all mental, very little skills. But And so that, would, that had to help you for the show, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think the time in Africa really helped me hone those the skills of actually being by myself. It allowed me, because I had a lot, a lot of time when I I'd spent seven weeks was the longest time over there. I was solo. Of course, I didn't have to fend, you know, get my own food and all of that. I had, a, I would go to town, which was about three hours away every couple of weeks, and be able to pick up supplies. But it really um, gave me that opportunity of, of being by myself and, and realizing. I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people haven't been solo before, uh, especially without access to a cell phone or the internet or Facebook or any of that. So to have that opportunity, to already have had that opportunity before I went on the loan, to have spent time really just with myself, um, I was looking forward to it before I went out on Vancouver Island. And I actually had a beautiful, lovely time out there. Um, I loved the time I spent up in Vancouver Island. It was was fun. It was, uh, I felt really engaged with the wildlife around me and the, the environment around me. So I never really felt totally solo up there because I had so much connection to everything else that was there and form these individual sort of bonds with the with the animals up there as well. But definitely the time in Africa helped helped me to get into the right headspace for something like that. And you're so well prepared because I mean you knew things and you you not not only are you like let's just take for an example Alan or Chris, they know the survival skills and but it takes more than survival skills. You had the mental skills. You also understood um, a lot of the herbs and and the plant life, and then also medicine. Which I mean, from your your website, I mean, you make some 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 of your own medicine as well. And so that's yeah. I mean, to put, that's the complete package, is what I'm saying. Some of these <laughs> other guys, like I mean, Alan and I are good friends. He just muscled through it. But you had more skills. You really, did, yeah. you really had more skills than anyone that's been on that show. Oh, well, thank you. I think some of them would beg to argue, but thank you. That's right. We have a lot of skilled people on that show, and I'm really proud of the, of the cast that I was that was out there on the show as well. Each and every one of them were really well qualified. Um, but thank you for that. I, I really feel like the herbalism skills and the ed- knowledge of the edible plants is really important to round out your skill set. Um, for me, it meant that I could dig roots, I could find mushrooms, I could find plant life, and those really helped round out my diet. And on top of that, the yeah, definitely the, the medicine skills were important. At one point on day 43, they didn't show it actually on the, on the TV series because it apparently wasn't a big enough injury, but I sliced my knuckle off on one of my fingers and oh, really? uh, completely off. Wow. Yep. And it was really cold. My hands were, were literally freezing, and I was filleting a fish in the water, and my, I had a quite a large knife out there. And the last fillet, it, it just sliced my knuckle off, and it's right on the knuckle where I bend it. So a lot of, lot of blood, and I tried to keep the flap but lost it. 
and it was a really deep cut. And had I not had the knowledge of herbal medicine, I probably would have gotten a pretty bad infection and had to tap out. But I didn't. Right. Um, I was actually able to heal it and barely have a scar left today. So the knowledge of the plants around wow. me was really, really helpful. And I collected a lot in advance so that by the time it froze, I had a lot collected and in my shelter. And that's what I ended up using when I cut my knuckle off. I had to go went back to my shelter. And luckily, I had dried yarrow and, and things that I could use, which is a great antibacterial, that I could use on that, on that wound and, and be able to heal it out in the field. So in a sense, your skills, I mean, that, that is really cool. Your skills actually in a real, we'll say real world situation, because you really did slice it. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it won't, I won't say it saved your <laughs> life because you did have that lifeline out. But it, I mean, that's cool. Not cool. That's incredible when you can use skills that can possibly save your life. Um, and 99.99% of the world have no clue what to do. And you've you've honed these skills and become an expert at it as well. That is pretty sweet. I'm always learning, you know. <laughs> There's always more to learn. I was just teaching a medicinal herb class and medicine-making class on Saturday, actually, and it was really wonderful. I had 20 students, and uh, I went into Portland just a couple hours from where I live in order to teach. And they you know, so really the class was so knowledgeable. There were definitely some people that had a big herbal background in the in the course. And I love when I teach like that because I love learning from students. You know, they have good questions that make you delve even further into into what you're looking into and and I really find that by teaching this these sort of skills and I teach wilderness skills kind of across the board and and prepping skills and survival skills, whatever you want to call them. I find the more I teach, the more you know, the more questions you get and that really makes you dive in a little bit deeper. And I also think it's great for students to take classes from different people. You know, I, I always say ask the same, ask different instructors the same question because you'll get different answers. And I love that as well. And um, I find I teach at a lot of primitive skills gatherings, and it's hard sometimes to take classes when you're teaching because you're so busy. But I always try to make time to at least take a class or two when I'm when I'm teaching at these gatherings because there's so many skilled people there. And I want to. I don't want to stop my learning. You know, part of why I think part of why I, you know, as you said in the beginning, I have so many things that I do is I like to delve in deeply to a lot of different subjects. And I, I'm not afraid of being a beginner, you know. Like, obviously, right. if you delve yep. into something new, you're going to start over, right? It's like being a, a child right. and you're going back to school and you know nothing. And I think it's important to keep learning. And even if you know nothing, you know, to, to dive in and, you know, try it out and learn more. So um, I enjoy doing that. Hey, let's take a quick break. Has your data been hacked? Do you feel uneasy about the vulnerability of your personal information online? Were you involved in the Target, LinkedIn, or Microsoft data leaks? Don't know? If not, then pay attention. Join Forrest Garvin from PrepperNet for a free webinar on privacy and security. Gain insights into safe internet browsing, VPNs, crafting online aliases, secure emails, detecting if your data has been hacked, and managing passwords. Secure your spot today for this webinar on privacy and security. It's free. This webinar delves into comprehensive strategies for bolstering your online privacy. We've got you covered from fortifying your passwords to shielding your financial information and mastering state-of-the-art encryption techniques. We're offering two convenient dates to suit your schedule. Reserve your spot now at PrepperNet.com privacy. Don't let cyber threats erode your peace of mind any longer. Take the first step toward a safer, more secure online experience by joining us for our free webinar. Remember, knowledge is power when it comes to safeguarding your privacy. 
Sign up now at PrepperNet.com slash privacy. We'll see you there. Well, you know, what, what, was, what is a shame? I'll just be honest with you. If it wasn't for 57 days on the show alone, the world, in a sense, I would have never got the opportunity to meet you, see your skills, and admire what you do. Yeah. And that, and I'm, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful for the show, um, and and the things that people, I mean, because the show, I think, opens a lot of people's eyes up to go. When you take some of the best survival people in the world, and you put them in that that environment, you really get to see what's important and what's not important when it comes to life. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and. I don't know. A lot of my friends are watching it, and they just they freak out and they go, "Oh my gosh, I couldn't, I couldn't last a day." I'm like, "Yeah, you're <laughs> gonna die." <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, but I'm I'm so glad you were on the show. And um, did you have your classes and your training um, academy or whatever you call it, or school? Was did you have that active before you even went on on the show? Yeah, I've been teaching skills for a long time. Actually, Jose um, Amoedo, who was on my season, uh, he lasted 59 days. Um, he and I, he lives up in the Yukon. He was the only person I actually knew on the season when we went, when we ended up at, at boot camp and we all you know, met each other for the first time. He and I have been teaching together for about 15 years. So I've been teaching these skills for, for quite a while. And uh, yeah, really have enjoyed it. But it's been nice, you know, with the after having been on the show, it definitely, like you were saying, it allows more people to have access to the knowledge that I have, and it also allows me to be able to share that story, my story with people, and uh, bring it, you know, bring it to more people, which has been a wonderful, a wonderful thing, and I feel that that was a real gift that the show gave me, and part of the reason that I wanted to go on the show in the first place. So, Can you tell us something about the show that maybe no one knows, like, hey, this is what happens. Oh, inside it. information. Yeah, just some, some, <laughs> you know, just to kind of bring us more into the show. Like, just some little. You know, oh, boy, I'm trying nugget. to think of some juicy nugget. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a question. Something that wouldn't violate my NDA. Let's see. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. I can tell you Mongolia was wild, but I can't say too much more about it. It's going to be a really interesting season, let me tell you. <laughs> People oh, are going to want to watch it. Season 5, the fan favorite show. I, oh, yeah. I think one of the things that's uh, it's really kind of a thing that maybe people don't realize is all of us on the show are we're friends. You know, we don't. I never felt like I was competing against anybody else. I was just really competing with myself. Um, and when we all, you know, especially for the fan favorite show, we all got to be in Mongolia together for a couple of weeks before okay. we before we actually went out solo. And it was so wonderful to be with nine other crazy people who are <laughs> who want to do this sort of thing and, and chose to do it again. And um, I'm really feel really blessed for those friendships. So. Both seasons, actually, when I was out there, I would pray every day for the other nine people out there, hoping that they were having a good journey and that they were safe and that they were doing well. Oh, no. And no, I no, never... no, 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 no. <laughs> Not me. I'd be, put... be putting x lax in their water or their drink or something. <laughs> it's all about winning. Come on, Nicole. It's all you got to win. I know. Terrible of me, right? What's with the yeah. good attitude? <laughs> Oh, boy. So, yeah, I was always just hoping everyone else was doing well, too. 
So I wanted Steve the best Bird, for everybody. I would send all the bears and wolves over to his area. So he was... <laughs> <laughs> there, bear. Yeah, there, bear. Over there. Someone sent them all to me. I had cougars, wolves, and bear at my site on Vancouver Island. I don't know. I think Larry sent them over to me. Let's blame him. I love wow. Larry, so I can say yeah. that. <laughs> you, you, you're, you're so nice and humble, even when we interview. You're supposed to say, "I wanted to win." You know, hoped everyone else tapped out. You know, come on. <laughs> I went into Do Mongolia that. wanting to win. I did. I'll admit that, definitely. I didn't think about it going into season two. The winning was not um, part of the package for me. I don't know. It wasn't something that was primarily on my mind when I went into it. I went into it for the experience. Uh, I think Mongolia, we all went into it with a winning mindset. We all still got along and wanted everyone to do well, definitely. I would say bar none. We all were thinking that on season season five. Um, But definitely I I went into it with the mindset of I would like to win this, and I feel like I can. So yeah. that well, was my I'm, mindset definitely. Going I'm so in. glad you I'm so glad you won that. No, I'm kidding. I have no idea. I got my we're actually um Tenderfoot and I will be traveling next week and we I we both got it DVR'd so we can watch it. I hate that I'm gonna be out of yeah, town. It, it is starting this week, am I am I, am I correct? Am it is Thursday said? night at ten. Um yep. I don't have T V so I can't watch it till the next day till it comes on free online. And the week after ah. I'm teaching off grid, so um I'll get to watch it in a few weeks. <laughs> but yes, well, they, it is, oh, it is airing this to, Thursday on history. Y'all don't get to watch a like a, a pre release or anything? No, we watch it right oh. alongside oh. the rest of the world. Yeah, oh, when wow. you all watch it is when we see it, and some of us, most of us on, on alone don't have television, so we have to watch it online later. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. we're the wrong subset. <laughs> so well, you know, maybe, maybe if your school goes well, you could buy a TV. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's the whole cable service. I do have a television. I have Netflix. I just don't have the whole I'm TV service that goes along with it. I live fairly remotely. I don't even know if I have TV service out here. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I'm a, I, I cut the cord type thing. But uh, so so with with the with the show coming up, anything else that we need to know just to prepare everyone uh, to to be ready to watch or anything we can know. You know, I'd say definitely if people have not watched the Making the Cut episode, which was aired last Thursday and is available online, the episode zero, I think the editors did a fantastic job really showing the realities of what it was like to be there, really showing the reality of the camera work and how remote the site was. I mean, Vancouver Island and Patagonia were sort of remote. I mean, they were remote enough we weren't going to run into people. Mongolia was extremely remote. We were a 12-hour drive from the capital, a bumpy, dusty road. Uh, really getting in and out of there was difficult. We were a long way from base camp. It was a really, rem- just really, really, uh, I travel all over the world, and it was the most remote place I'd ever, I've ever been. And we really were in the middle of nowhere. And the realities of that are if someone needs help, it takes a long time. And if something serious happens, you know, it's, it, you're not going to be able to get help in there very quickly. And I think that making the cut episode does a nice job of really outlining what this season is going to be like. And it shows it's real. What they're showing, they're, they didn't, um, you know, how often reality TV tries to uh, make it seem more dun-dun-dun-dun, you know, more uh, right. dire yeah. than it really is. But really, I think they did a good job at showing what the reality was of, of being out there. And I actually watched the Making the Cut busy video when Larry was out here 
uh, visiting, we were teaching a five-day workshop together, and both of our stom- our hearts dropped into our stomach when we were watching it. We looked at each other and go, did we really do that? Are we crazy? <laughs> so it sort of reminded us of how crazy it was, you know, and, and what a what a chance it was to, to do that. So. Well, I know you guys um... – you did you get to pin, pick ten tools again for this show? I'm sure. Same. Is that right? Yes. Same. Did mm-hmm. you pick the same ones you picked the first time? I didn't. I switched out my axe. Um, there are not a lot of tr- large trees up in where we were in Mongolia, and okay. uh, I decided to switch the axe out for a multi-tool. And I also brought snare wire um, because I thought it was important. I could use it as cordage. I could use it for trapping. Um, film. I could use it to make hooks for fishing poles. You know, to build up like eyelets, to be able to to build fly rods or whatever it is that you know we all right. get out there. Um, but I thought that that would be an excellent use of uh, of an item. And uh, the multi tool I brought, I actually changed the screwdriver because I don't need no screws there, right? I right, made it right. into a chisel, and then I took the can oh. opener and uh, changed it into a spoon gouge, so I could carve with it. Um, and then, and then there's that day I found the ten, the huge can of food that I couldn't open. No. <laughs> oh yeah. And that yeah. was, because yeah, that would have been a sad hey, thing, right? <laughs> Nicole, I've always said, you know, if I was to take one tool, it'd be my Amazon Prime account. <laughs> 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 drone, drone delivery. I would have it made. I mean, it would be oh, tough. I'm picturing the drone <laughs> delivery. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, drone delivery. I, easily, I would win hands down if no one else could pick that. Great item. Great item yeah. choice. Yeah. No, my luck. My wife would cancel the credit card or something during wow. that time. <laughs> oh, boy. That's fantastic. When y'all are out there, do y'all get to – Outside of the list, I don't think I've asked this question. I've I've, I've spoken with uh, Alan before, but I don't. Uh, can you take a, a book or a picture or anything like that, or a few pages of anything? They took photos. There's no reading material allowed. No pen and paper, no reading material, because they don't want you to write things down and get your your words and your feelings out that way or to read a book and be able to fill your time that way. They want you to tell everything to the camera. And so, and you do. You end up telling every every little feeling and thought that goes through your head goes to that camera. And someone watches all of that That footage and someone knows me very well. So they don't don't allow you to do that for good reason, right? They want you to be able to tell your feelings to, to the screen. They do allow you to take a photograph. Um, okay. That's the only thing that they allow. So and the did first you season ever... I took a picture of my kids. This season I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want them Ooh. to pull me home again. So. Yeah, that would teach, that'll teach uh, yeah. some kids. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> did you ever record it and they go, oh, I'm going to – and then go and edit and like record over it? Or you We're not allowed to. It's in our contract. Ah, We're not allowed to ah. delete a thing. Yep. So yeah. no. And there were moments that I thought, oh, really wish I hadn't recorded that because I had the camera on all the time. Uh, I filmed everything. And uh, but nope, there's no. If if you record it, it's it's out there. So and most of us record pretty much everything. So anything we say or feel or do or any mistake we make is captured on camera. So if someone wants to, you know, if, if they want to show your mistake over and over, they have, you know, they can. And uh, think about that. I mean, think how many mistakes we all make. 
at our day-to-day lives or being out in the woods and we do something silly or stupid. Um, then think about if you do that, and then all of a sudden, you know, five million viewers have to get to watch oh. that, and they're judging you on that one or two or three mistakes that you make. And it's it's hard sometimes, you know. You you read those comments from the armchair warriors that uh, talk about how they could do it better, but the reality is we all make mistakes. Um, ours are just right. aired. <laughs> right. See, mine would not be necessarily mistakes. It would be me talking about everyone I know in a negative <laughs> connotation. My mother-in-law, I would just be going. <laughs> that yep, would you got to be careful trouble. about I what would, you say, that's for sure. I would, I'd come back and have no friends. So, um, <laughs> yep. so let me ask you, um, I'm tr- I tried to put you in a category before the show. Um, are you, You're not a prepper, maybe a little bit. You're not a, maybe more of a survivalist. <laughs> a, so, oh, oh, well, a survivalist, a homesteader. Where would you kind of fit in there? All of the above or, or a just a naturalist? Yeah, I think wilderness, I always say I'm a wilderness living instructor because it encompasses survival skills as well as sort of homesteading and, um, and also just, I, I like to live in harmony with nature, you know, rather than pushing against it. And that's why I say wilderness living skills instead of survival. Survival is you get in, you get out, you get yourself found, you're out in 72 hours. Wilderness living is you live in harmony with nature. Now, I also do teach prepping and that sort of thing, and in those cases, and signaling and all of that. So if you need to get out and be found, um, I do teach those skills as well. But, you know, on a show like Alone, we're really trying to live in harmony with nature and do a long-term living situation. So I kind of put myself more in that category, though I do also teach prepping. I love teaching prepping. It's, It's really fun. I love teaching people what they should have on them at all times for fire, shelter, water, food, signaling, and medical. Um... And I really like empowering people with that knowledge. I, I feel like a lot of women and, and also kids hear it better coming from a woman. You know, it's something about um, it's teaching the same stuff that maybe a big burly guy is teaching, but somehow certain factions of our society are able to hear it a little better if it's coming from a woman's mouth instead of from some big dude. <laughs> so I feel like you know, I make prepping accessible for people that might not normally be into prepping. You know, as you said that, what came to my mind was, you, you familiar with the Andy Griffith show? Yeah. Okay. At one scene, if I remember correctly, this kid said he couldn't swim, and mm-hmm. Andy picks him up and throws him in the water. <laughs> That's how a man does it, and a woman would never do that. That's kind exactly, of what you're saying yes. there. Yeah, he, I think it he is. picks you know, the kid I... up and throws him in. <laughs> Yep. It's a different way of teaching. I taught a class a couple of weeks ago, a five-day class, and I had a lot of beginners in it. I had some old, some people who really knew what they were doing, a survival school instructor, as a matter of fact, and a couple of instructors who were there. But I also had a lot of people who were new to the skills world. And I really was proud of them for coming by themselves and taking this class. And I think part of why they took it is because I was, I was teaching it, you know, and, and it was, from again, from a woman's perspective. And they didn't know anything. And they had they been thrown into a situation where it was a skills class where it's really tough and they push you really hard and they expect people to drop out, um, you know, there is a place for those types of classes, but that's not my teaching style. My teaching style is providing people um, feeling like they're in a space that they can actually learn. I feel that people, are, when they are stressed out, you actually don't learn and retain information very well. 
And I find if you're in more of a relaxed environment and you're learning things bit by bit, you tend to retain that information and you're able to step into it. And all those people who took the class who were beginners now feel empowered to take a next-level class. And I feel like if they'd been in a class where it was more um, militaristic, I guess you would say, perhaps right. that they wouldn't have ever – first of all, they probably wouldn't have taken it, and secondly, they never would have come back. And now you know, they're doing things that they never even thought were possible. And I really like opening up the skills world to people like that. So how did you get into, you know, I guess doing this? I mean, how do you turn that into a business and and, and whatnot? And I'm, I'm sure the show has helped out a lot, but, I, you know, I'm just kind of curious about that. I mean, I've been loving well, about that. Well, you know, yeah, I've been <laughs> teaching skills for – before I started my own, you know, wilderness school or whatever you want to call it, I, I taught – at primitive skills gatherings, and I still do. I still teach in like three to four of those a year. And those gatherings are amazing because all of the skills instructors, everyone teaches for free. And I think people don't necessarily right. realize yep. that. I teach it. I probably teach for two months out of the year for free. And I think, and all the, all the people do that teach at those gatherings. And I always think how great. And a lot of people learned from those gatherings. There are, I have a lot of great mentors whom I learned from it, that still teach at those gatherings. And I feel like it's sort of a way to give back. But it's also like like family, you know, it's old home week, and my kids have grown up going to these gatherings and had the opportunity to grow up in the skills world because of these and have a lot of freedom um, and feel and feel pretty good about their skill levels because of these gatherings and the people that are there. Um, so I sort of just took that that to you know I guess the next level in, in teaching you know from my home and teaching for other schools and. Uh, I don't know. It seemed like a natural progression. I've always been a teacher. I'm a professor, a part-time professor at Prescott College, and uh, and in their graduate school. And I love teaching. I was a high school biology teacher a very long time ago at my oldest son's high school, and uh, had a re and taught college for for many years. And just have a real a real deep love of of teaching. No, and no matter, and no, you know, whatever sort of form that that takes. Uh, whether it's you know formal formal classroom or teaching you know teaching outside and wandering through the woods, and uh, so I I just let that's my passion. So it seemed like a natural progression to hold classes and and you know teach that to other people and make have other people feel empowered when they have that knowledge and then they can go on and learn more and teach it to other people. So it's just a spreading of and knowledge, and it feels if you hold knowledge, you should spread that knowledge. Definitely, and you're and you're living this. Too. I mean, you said you live somewhat remotely or whatnot. Is that I live correct? pretty remotely. Yeah, I live. Uh, I have well, I have a house. You know, I've got electricity and all that stuff, so I'm not off the grid. Um, I have internet, which is how I'm talking to you is through my internet phone because I don't. I don't have cell phone service where I live. <laughs> it's too remote for cell phone service. Um, wow. And I need internet for you know work, but I, I have a. I, I live a quarter mile off the nearest road on a down a big gravel driveway. It's a beautiful property. I have no neighbors. It's surrounded by woods. Um, I can't hear anybody here. Um, a lot of bear, mountain lion, elk, deer on my land, and uh, I teach. I teach right here on my land, on my property. I can run classes you, from here. Are you in the American Redoubt, or is that a ways from you? Kind of the geographical. The, You're not the, familiar what is that? with that? It's called I'm the American not, no. Redoubt. Okay. Okay. So my so next question is, so you have to tell me what that is. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a um, it's kind of a, a redoubt is where um, a lot of patriots will say have moved to Washington, the Oregon area, and they're trying to they're in a sense claiming it um, in case 
the crap hits the fan, they can work together okay. and survive. Gotcha. So. Our, our okay. community's like that, very much so. We have a pretty tight-knit community here. I live in a – there's a town of 2,500. I live near Raymond, Washington. That's the closest town. I'm about 15 minutes outside of town um, in the woods. But that, that's my closest community. And it's a pretty tight-knit community, and if something happened, this community would know what to do. They're a really? pretty living – they're a community that lives really close to the land, and that's part of what I love about it. So I, I notice all throughout your website, and you even – make some swab. I think it's tinctures and swabs. I don't know. I'm new to that kind of stuff, but you're mm-hmm. big into wellness too, correct? I am. I teach natural wellness. I'm a holistic wellness coach, especially for people with autoimmune issues, getting people off of big pharma and Western medication and helping them figure out how to change their diet, lifestyle, and use herbal supplements in order to be fully healthy and fully engaged in psychologically and physically. Yeah, that's a big part of what I do. So two years ago, I I, and a, I really never heard of this. And a lady, we have a local lady that kind of does this, the same thing, maybe not on the scale that you do it on, but um, but she has just opened my eyes to um, the drugs that we take um, are drugs that, like plants. The original drug was made by a plant. And then pharmace- mm-hmm. the big pharma changed it so they could make money off of it, not necessarily to make it better. Um, right. And and she would go through some of the – like if you have high blood pressure, stop taking these drugs and start doing this. And it just kind of opened my eyes going, wow. And so you would probably agree that big pharma is a ripoff that's in a sense killing us. <laughs> oh, I would agree with that. Yes, most definitely. Yeah. Definitely. uh, Yeah, Big Pharma is is a big enemy. You know, I think they they really try to get people hooked on medication. There are many things you can do in your own, you know, very easily and very cheaply that will will actually serve you much better than Big Pharma. Um, And uh, I think it's really, I think people, you know, often people follow their doctors blindly because people are scared when they get sick and they listen to what their doctors tell them. And not that doctors are, you know, they're trying to do the right thing, of course, but I think it's important to question and to do your own research and to maybe also talk to a naturopath if you're going to be going down that road and see what they have to say because um, they're, not, they're not run by big pharma. <laughs> right. Um, did you have anything on the health? You, you pointed to my notes. No, because well, oh. I don't know if you were going to ask that because I was going to ask. Okay, you can ask that. Okay. Though. Uh, I don't want to like, feel like I'm changing changing uh, uh, gears or whatever here, but um, I was just curious about like your survival kit uh, and, and speaking of wellness and stuff like that, because yours would probably look a lot different than maybe Alan's or someone else's on the show or some of the other guys that we have on this show. Uh, so what would your survival kit, your EDC, um, whatever you would call it, what would you what would you carry in yours? Actually, Alan and my survival kit looks bizarrely alike. Um, <laughs> we, uh, you know, the plants and things. I have my first aid salve in there because um, it's really sometimes, you know, sometimes you can find the plants that you need and sometimes you can't. So I always do carry my first aid salve in my survival kit, as it's important to have that with with me. But mine has the basics of, you know, the basics of fire. Multiple. I always have redundant, of course, redundancy. Right. One is none, and two is one. Um, 
I always have at least a few yeah. ways to make fire. I have tinder with me. I have. I always wear a ferro rod around my neck. I always have a fer- another ferro rod on me. I always carry a couple of lighters. I always have tinder. Multiple ways to make fire. Um, water. I always carry purification. Whether I have both bright water um, water tablets because sometimes you're on you know you're moving quickly. I have extra water bags on top of my water bottle. I have a single single stainless steel. Actually, I have a titanium right now water bottle that I can boil water in. It has a nesting cup. Um, you want to make sure it's single walled so you don't blow it up. Um, I have uh, water for purification systems, uh, both a water filter and and water tablets. Uh, water is so important. I have um, a way to be able to collect water. A poncho is always a really good way. It can be a both a water collection system, and it can also be um, a way to keep yourself, you know, to keep yourself warm and dry if, if it is raining. Um, I also have bags that double as transpiration bags if I'm in the desert. And then food, not so much. You know, food, you can go a long time without food. I have a base, some basic food procurement. In my car, I have food. My car kit's completely, you know, different, and I have my right. huge bug-out yeah. bag and all of that. But I'm just talking what I have on me 24-7. Um, food, I have basic fishing kit, snare wire, just some really basics to be able to catch food because um, it's less important. Shelter, I'll have, of course, paracord and tarp, and, um, but a shelter sheet, emergency blanket, things like that. Wire saw, of course, knives. Um, I always have a few knives on me. And then signaling and medical are huge, of course. You know, signaling if you really do need to be found. And my kids, you know, it's really important. My 10-year-old has a whole, has his own, his own kit that goes in his backpack. He likes to go for wanders in the woods. And, you know, I know that he'll be okay. He can make a fire and he can signal for help and all of that. And has a blanket, emergency blanket in case of emergency and, and he gets cold. But signaling, you know, signal mirror and flashlight and whistle and, you know, all of, all of the, usual, the usual things there. And then, of course, medical. I have a pretty big medical kit that I carry on me all the time, both herbal and, you know, things, you know, if you get a, a bleed, I have, a, you know, two tourniquets on me at all times because that's something yep. that you can't just stop on your own. You need to have additional things for that. So I have a pretty, pretty good medical kit with me 24-7. Yeah, and I and things that I have in my bag that seem to be a little different than yours is I have a can of caviar and some Don Perignon. <laughs> oh, I'm traveling with you then. Awesome, great. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just kidding. And your Amazon account. And my Amazon account. Same day delivery oh, in Charlotte, boy. North Carolina. Same day delivery. Excellent. If I want something, it could be here. Oh boy, that's great. Now, when you travel. Now you got you have to kind of limit this stuff. We we actually had someone um, within uh, our groups and everything uh, post uh, something about their travel kit. Yeah. Do you have something like? Does that have to look totally different, or is that just like? No. You just my travel kit is. Yeah. So I have some tips for that. So my travel kit is I is essentially identical to the kit that I carry that I just told you about. The only differences are I have ceramic knives because they can't be detected by TSA. Um, I'll keep my, I'll pack my regular knives in my, in my check-on bag, um, but I always have a couple of ceramic knives on me, those little small folders, and yep. uh, those are fantastic. And those, those can't get, no, TSA doesn't care about those. You can bring lighters on board. You can bring ferro, ferro rods on board. So my kit is identical to the one I carry. The exception is that I take my knives out. The only place I have ever had my wire saw confiscated was in South Korea, 
and I can't believe no one else was confiscated, but I just sort of looked. They, they, they found it. They looked at me, and I, I sort of nodded and said, yeah, you should probably take that. <laughs> I can't believe you're the only yeah. person in the past 10 years who's found that and cared. But no one else in the world, no, no airport has ever, ever cared. So I carry the same kit. And, you know, really I want to be the one prepared if something happens, you know, when you're traveling. I want to make sure that kit travels with me and can get through TSA regulations. And everything I have on there is, you know, semi-legal. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I told yep. you I have one of them knives. I have I have a um I'll just release it right I now. I have a nylon one. It can go in your collar. Yeah, that's stone you're blades die with also that. get through. You can wear them as jewelry and no one ever notices oh, that you have a stone blade. Yeah. Mhm. Oh. And obsidian so, sharp. Yep. Mind blown. Mine so I, just I have think about I have a spy belt. I've told you this. Yeah. Oh I'm yeah, sure those I'm, are great. And I actually Is it have one a of Wadu's? They have those cool cool belts. It's um, you know I went through um, Jason Hansen's spy school, and he okay. has one has zippers, <laughs> and so I went through the whole school. And so, and I actually have a ceramic knife in there. And I told you this. I went to a professional basketball game, which that is a lot for me to go to. I do not like professional sports, and I'm an mm-hmm. athlete. I mean, I'm just so turned off by them. And they, I walked through the machine, and it went beep 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 beep. I'm like. Oh, and a cold sweat just broke down on me because I knew I'm like, oh man, I am caught busted because I got like, I got fishing hooks, I got all this stuff in my belt, and so the Uh lady made me walk back through it and beep 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 again, and then she goes, do you have a belt buckle on? I'm like, yep, and I showed her and she wand it and I went right straight through and I'm like, nice. I was really scared. Those spy belts are pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have one from Wazoo that they make, and they, they're really good at making a, Wazoo? Those I have to wearable write that survival. Down. Yeah, W-A-Z-O-O, Wazoo Survival oh. Gear. They make wearable – that's their whole thing, wearable survival gear. I have a lot oh, of their, okay. their gear. And they have hats that have places to hide things. They have belts. They have all sorts of really small, small gear. And that's uh, very, very – it's actually useful. Like, it actually works. Um, I wear their ferro rod around my neck 24-7. It looks like a piece of jewelry. And uh, it has a great ceramic striker on it, and I've started a lot of fires. And it's a great bar trick, by the way, yes. So oh, yes. <laughs> for all those times I travel by myself, I'll tell you, you want to make friends, you bring that out. <laughs> yep. So, um, I, yeah, the wearable my survival shoes. gear is great. And I take all my laces in my shoes and put a little small ferro rod on my shoe, mm-hmm. and it looks like it's part of the shoe. So yeah, that's awesome. Yep. So let me ask yep. you this, because this is this is you you found out History Channel or someone called you and said, "Hey, would you like to apply for this show?" Or, I mean, yep. what what kind of mindset? I mean, when someone says, "Hey, would you?" We want to test your skills to go out and live as long as you can. It could be up to a year. And mm-hmm. the last man standing wins. I mean, what kind of mindset do you have as you're filling out that application? <laughs> um, you know, I didn't really worry about it. I got asked on for season one um, where they had no women. They did try. We all said no. Um, and I said no because I didn't, I didn't know if it was real. You know, I didn't believe them when they said, really, there's no film crew. You'll be by yourself. I was like, I don't know. If it's good, call me for season two. Um and uh, and they did, luckily. So I don't know. I just I uh, I applied with the knowledge that I was going to like, I just knew I was going to get on. You know, they asked me for one season. They asked me back the next season and uh, for season two. And, and I just I don't know. I felt like I, I was 
qualified and that they would see that. So I, I wasn't really nervous. I was excited when they said yes. There's a little bit of nerves in there, right? Like, am I going to get on or not? But I, I was pretty sure about it. Um, and I was, I don't know, I, I did, I prepped for season two, not as much as I prepped for season five, though, which is interesting because it's a late, you know, I, I'm doing it again. Um, but the preparation right. for season five was much more intense than my preparation for season two. Um, season two, I went into with the knowledge that I, I thought I had what it took, but I was really testing myself. And I never got to reach my limit. I never got to figure out, you know, what my actual survival limits were. I was still had meals in camp when I left. I still had rations left. Um, actually threw away, I had like enough for two meals in camp that I threw away when I left. Uh, I put it back in the ocean. Um, when I ended up leaving on day 57, um, one of my kids called me home and that's why I ended up leaving. Um, if I had, it was only going on another week, you know, I might've stayed, but <laughs> you don't know these right, things when you go right. in and who knows how long the winter would have lasted. But, you know, I, I felt like I had a lot more time in me at when I left. I, I didn't, wasn't, I wasn't nearly at the end of my rope or even close to it. Now, season mm-hmm. five, I prepared a lot. I okay. really did. I knew I was going against nine other tough competitors. It was a new environment. I really, really prepped myself. And everyone wanted to win that because they, they, um, yep. there were there were no winners that came back if I if I remember right. Exactly. And, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was just so, a bunch of ten losers. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. No. So I do oh, have this boy. question because yeah, if it, it's interesting because this was a show. And you lasted 57 days. But that what mm-hmm. we saw in you, in your spirit, in your heart, we know that if it was real world, we want to be with you because we, I know that you would survive. Some of these other characters, <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You, Angry American and I would have gotten in a lot of fights. And I love, we, we, <laughs> we hang out. And I mean, he's just, and he's intense all the time. And I, yeah, I would Chris be. Yeah, Chris is a great guy. And, at, at one point, I would be afraid for my life with him. <laughs> I just would. But for you, I mean, yeah. so if it was real world, we could actually see that, that you could really do this if you had to for a long time. If, um, and that was really cool. I mean, you got to know that. And I think people saw that with you. They're like, wow, if I'm ever stuck on an island or I'm in that situation, I want to be with Nicole. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you for that, yeah. Because <laughs> you made it fun, and, and you got this language with bears. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I do. That's true. Yeah, I have a lot of bear on my property here, too, and, and I actually have a mountain lion on it right now. Right now, as we're speaking, there's a mountain lion prowling around my property. Um, and uh, I like communing with the animals, you know. I, I enjoy that. I like, uh, I don't know, they're predators. We're really, we're predators, and uh I uh, I enjoy I enjoy that that interaction. <laughs> and and that brings another question up after reading some of the stuff that you've produced. What's this bird talk stuff? Oh, bird language. <laughs> it's what kept bird, me yeah, what, keeps me alive yeah, in this, Africa. What is this bird language stuff? I mean, I mean, just kind of yeah, explain so that to bird, me, please. Yeah, no problem. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty simple, you know. That's the thing. It's a lot of people haven't heard of it until they get explained to them, and they're like, oh, that's all it is. It's it's so easy. Um, so bird language is basically the birds are the gossips of the forest. They tell you everything that's going on, and they're really the ones that will let all the other animals in the forest know what's happening. 
So if a cooper's hawk comes in, you know all the birds go silent, all the songbirds do, and you know that you know there's a cooper, at least around here, you know a cooper's hawk's coming in. You know, if you have birds popping up in a little bit of a line, you know there's a dog, maybe it's a coyote or something coming through. If the birds are doing a sort of umbrella around this animal, you know it's a cat. You can tell by their, their calls what sort of wildlife is there. And when I lived in Africa, and I still guide there. I, I'm a, I have a safari company, and I guide over in Africa. And this is how I keep clients alive is through bird language. And I work with the Kalahari Bushmen, who are just brilliant at it, and, uh, and a man named John Young, who has a great website, birdlanguage.com, and he wrote a book about bird language called What the Robin Knows that's super accessible. And uh, you read it, and you go, oh, I've got this. And Anyway, so, you know, over there, it, I know from the bird language, I know if there's a poisonous snake. I know if there's a, a mongoose. I know if, which is not a worry to me, but it sure is a worry to birds, um, for birds. I know if there's a, a cat that's there. I know, if there's, I know if there's danger coming. And that's really important to be able to tune into the language of the birds. The moms over there, when I'm walking in the, the men are good at it too, but the moms are brilliant and the grandmoms are brilliant at bird language because they're alone foraging with little kids in the in the you know in the middle of the Kalahari Desert, they have to be really good at bird language because if they don't know what's out there, their children are going to get hurt or eaten, and so they huh. are excellent at it. But you can use it here all the time. You know, I, I know I can tell by the ravens where the elk are. You know, hunters use this language often when they're out bow hunting or, or you know rifle hunting um, around here. It's it's very common, and you you can really listen to the birds and know what's happening in your area. And once you tune into that, you just your, this whole world gets opened up to you, and it's it's pretty amazing. Wow. Okay. Because um, in the book, did you read the Mockingjay and all that? The um, yep. You, I um, did. I love that what, series. Yes, the Hunger what, what Games. Series the Hunger Games. Did you read the Hunger yep. Games? I watched them. I sure did. You know, I'm asked. Well, I'm asking Tenderfoot. He. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. We <laughs> we keep him in the closet. Because in that the oh. mocking jay is the, the bird that, that will yeah. repeat the song kind of thing. Anyway. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know if that had anything to do with right. it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So oh, boy. do you have any tips for surviving alone? What would be your for tips of if you're found in a situation um for somebody that uh I guess speaking to uh, not just an audience that that does have some kind of experience, but what if someone has no experience? I would say it's 95% psychological. It really is. And when you hear tales of survival, it's really people's psychology that gets them through. Stop, breathe, think about what you need to do. Um, People panic. You know, there's sort of fight or flight, people say, but the more, more common one is freezing and really not knowing what to do at all and then freezing, like just staying there, right? Um, really try to take a deep breath, evaluate your situation, and then take charge of it. And try to keep a positive attitude. I mean, you mentioned sort of my positive attitude came through on, on television. I mean, that was really important for me, um, making sure that I had a just positive mental attitude. And giving for me, giving gratitude in the morning helps do that. Um, it just even if I'm having a bad day, and I have bad days like anybody else, uh, giving gratitude no. helps turn that around for me. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, don't have, you know, it's not, I'm 
life isn't perfect, right? We all have lots of stuff. We all have our stuff going on. And I, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I, when I give, I try to give gratitude to remember what's good because there's so much that's good, even when things are going bad. Um, that it reminds me that overall things are really are really excellent. So for people that are stuck in a survival situation, which is generally when someone would be alone, right? Um, definitely keeping keeping your spirits up is huge. And of course, you know, doing things like avoiding hypothermia and accidents and injury and that kind of thing. But 95% of it's just in your head. So I would think that's the most important thing, psychology of survival. Yeah. Awesome. That is amazing. It has been a pleasure having you on. We're coming up at the end of our show, but Nicole, I hope to have you on again. I hope to meet you one day. Yeah, I think oh, you being here. on the West Coast and me being on, we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. I'll travel out there sometime. All but right. it's been a pleasure right. having you on the Prepping Academy. Thank you. And I'm going to have all your links, um, your link um, to your site on the um, podcast when it comes out. And it has absolutely been a pleasure. I'm, I've been so oh, excited. Oh, it's been a pleasure for me as well. About having you on. Thank you and, so much. And I have to tell Chin, I have to give Chin a thumbs up because he introduced oh, it again. Oh, he's such a great connector. <laughs> oh, don't say that. Oh, my gosh. You're yep. Oh, you don't. Up. Took the words right out of your mouth. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> he really is. He's so good at yes. that. So. Yes. Yep. Well, thank you for coming on, and you you take care, and we will love to have you on again. Yes. And maybe I even in the next few weeks. Talking about the show, maybe oh, we'll yeah. see. Yeah, I'm excited about so, yep. that. Yeah, it's okay. gonna things are gonna be happening starting Thursday night. So yes. yep. Well, thank very you. Very exciting. Hey, thank you very much for being Oh, on. yep. You all have a great evening. You too. <laughs> thank you, Nicole. Bye. All right. That was Nicole Appeal from the um, the Alone Show, the, the series, the new ones coming on Thursday night. What an amazing lady. Yes. I'm telling you, there, I, I I want if I'm stuck on an island, I want to be with her. Now this is what's crazy. We are a prepping show. She doesn't call herself a prepper. Not she so much. Have, she have, preps, right, but right, yeah, right. But she doesn't have this mindset, right? And like we call ourselves that. Correct. So her versus a prepper. Her versus who? A, a prepper. Her versus a prepper. Oh, right. she wins every time. Okay. Because a prepper dies because this stuff runs out. If you can't yeah. survive off the land and, and make your own medicine, that's the goal in all this. And I always say that. Preppers die. we got to merge into the survivalists and homesteaders and become this new name, this new thing, like what she is. Right. What Nicole is. She's got it all. She's the complete package. Because when something happens, yeah, and she's not worried about what's going to happen. She right. Is just and looking. she understands the mental. And, you know, a lot of things I teach is hey, there, there's three aspects. There's things you got to buy, things you got to learn, and there's mindset. Yeah. And she has absolutely. I mean, and and I read once, and I can't I can't remember who who said this. The more you have up here in your brain, the less you have to carry on your back. Right. Anyway, hey yeah, guys. Talk about it again. Yeah, that was the Prepping Academy, guys. What a great show. What a unbelievable guest. You guys take care, and we'll see you guys next time. Later. Prepping Academy. Later. Thanks for listening to the Prepping Academy podcast. Preppers unite at www.preppingacademy.com.
Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com.